You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Again, it's just truly an honor to be able to, to be here on tonight with my family, that you are my family. And I know we're a big church, and I'm here on Sunday, and I get to meet some of you and get to see some of you, but it's a blessing that uh, you have come out tonight and to hear a word from the Lord. And it's even going to be a blessing this morning just to simply read Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. There's a special blessing in this house tonight. Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. In verse 2 it reads, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men. Somebody say wise men. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Somebody say worship him. And then it says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him word to me that I may come and worship him also. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now a special blessing over this word for your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you tonight about the blessing of sincere worship. The blessing of sincere worship. So here in this foundational passage that I just read, we can actually see a dichotomy between sincere worship and insincere worship. Believe it or not, when we were reading that passage, when the wise men came to find Jesus and to look for Jesus, the first time they were sincere in their worship of the king. But when we look at them later on in the verse, when Herod said that he wanted to come and worship the king, he had political motivations. He had selfish ambition and selfish motivation to worship God. Are you with me tonight? The goal of this message tonight is that we should all 
be able to examine ourselves and know what determines sincere worship and what is insincere worship. So in order to determine that, we have to first know why do we worship God in the first place? What is the origin of worship? Why do we come on a Wednesday night when we could be at home in the bed or we could be preparing for the next day? What motivated us to come here tonight to worship? And we find out that there's really only one reason that we worship God, and that is simply because he is God alone. Are you with me? And so when we look in the scripture, we find in Exodus, and even in, the, in chapter 34, we find that when Moses was given the law, he went up on a mountain and God gave him the laws. And when he came down to the people, the children of Egypt, Israel, when he came down off the mountain to give the people the law, the first thing that he saw was the people were already worshiping another God. So Moses ended up throwing down the tablets. He goes back up on the mountain, and God tells him to carve out the stone on the mountain and make two more tablets. Moses does this, and he begins to carve out the, the commandments again on the tablets. And then, God, uh, and then Moses simply said, Lord, I want to see your face. I want you to show me your glory. And so we find Moses at the top of the mountain. God ends up putting him in the place where he carved out the stone, put him in the cleft of the rock. It didn't say that Moses took a selfie of that moment, but it says that Moses began to worship in the cleft of the rock. Are you with me? And when he came down off of the mountain, we find Moses, one of the first commandments that he gave was, Thou shall have no other gods before him. And God is a jealous God. Can I tell you something tonight? The greatest danger to our worship of a true God is actually our prosperity. I'm going to say that again. The greatest danger to our worship of the true God is our prosperity. What do I mean by that? That means that there are a lot of times, and Bishop uh, Wallace said this the other day on his social media, there's a lot of times where God comes into the room and he blesses us, or he blesses us with a car. He blesses us with a house. He blesses us with that job that you're making six figures or, or seven figures. He blesses you with something, and somehow we tend to forget the God who blessed us. See, it's very easy to get the blessing, but it's, it's harder to get the blessing and to continue to worship God with the same vigor. And so our greatest danger to true worship and authentic, sincere worship of God, the greatest danger is us being so prosperous that we forget the God who blesses us. And so... If you were to turn to Matthew 4, so you have what's called sincere worship, and then you have what's called false, insincere worship. And I want you to see this false worship as it's laid out in Scripture in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. And I want you to see this. I want you to understand that even Satan understands worship. Even the enemy, the devil, Lucifer, understands worship. Now look at this. In Matthew 4, starting at verse 8, it says, And again, 
The devil took him, talking about Jesus. Jesus was being tempted, and uh, for 40 days he was hungry, he was thirsty, he was at the weakest point of his ministry, and the devil took him on an exceeding high mountain. This verse right here is intriguing to me because I wanted to understand how could the devil take Jesus up? Think about that. The devil took Jesus. Isn't that what the scripture says? It says the devil took him, and not only did the devil take him, it says that the devil took him where? Up. If the devil can take Jesus up, imagine how many imps and simps and pimps he's raising up in our culture today. If Satan can take Jesus up, he definitely can take anyone else that's on the earth up into a glory of their own. Watch this. It says, and the devil took Jesus up, and then it says, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said unto him, all these things I will give you if you will do what? Fall down and do what? Worship me. Verse 10, and then it says, Jesus said unto him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written that you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now watch this. What do we learn from this passage of Scripture? Number one, we learn that Satan has an organized kingdom. Satan is very organized when it comes to his satanic kingdom. Another thing we learn from this verse, we also learn that Satan can give this kingdom to whomever he pleases. How can he do that? Because actually it was given to him by Adam. When man fell, we gave him the kingdom. And so now that he has the kingdom, he can give his kingdom to anybody whom he pleases. That's why we got to be careful when we start to worship famous people and worship celebrities. We got to ask the question, did their influence and glory come from God? Or is their influence and glory coming from the one that took the kingdom from Adam? We have to recognize that Satan is very organized. He's organized and he, get, he has a kingdom and he can give it to whomever he pleased. He tried to give it to Jesus. Think about that. Satan trying to give the king of kings a kingdom. And the last thing we learn about that verse about Satan, we learn that Satan desires worship. Satan understands the power of worship. Stay with me tonight. We also learn in this passage that through the authority of Jesus, because you remember he took Jesus up, but through the authority of Jesus, no matter where Satan takes you, you can rebuke him. Jesus told Satan, away with me. Get away from me. So even with the authority of Jesus, we can still rebuke him. We also learn in that chapter that through the authority of Scripture, you can legally bind his plans on earth and declare the kingdom of God in the earth. So watch this. 
So what is this insincere, satanic, false worship? Where did it come from? When you study Satan and you understand Satan, you have to understand that he was one of the main angels in heaven that was over the worship of God. So if anybody understands worship, it will be the angel that God gave authority to, to understand and to be over the culture of heaven. You don't understand. The Bible talks about Lucifer in Ezekiel 28. It talks about how he was made. He had diamonds on his chest. He had the sapphire, the topaz, he had the emerald. All of these things were embedded inside of Lucifer when he was created. See, Lucifer did not have bones. Lucifer had pipes. What does that mean? That means that when the wind blew in heaven, Lucifer made a sound just from the wind blowing in heaven. Why? Because he was over the worship and the culture of heaven. He was not like Gabriel who was able to get messages from heaven to earth. He was not like Michael, the archangel that was able to defend the heavens. He was Lucifer over the worship. That's why even in his fallen state, he still desires what he was over in heaven. Why? Because he wants God's people to be able to look away from the blessing of God, look away from the prosperity of God, and look to him for their prosperity, and look to him for their glory. Are you with me? In Ezekiel 28, it talks about how Lucifer was made. But then in Isaiah 14 and 12, it talks about how Lucifer fell. And so that's why we got to be very careful, even when we're attending concerts and we're going to a lot of these secular concerts and we're going into these arenas. And the first thing they ask you to do is, can you lift your hands? You have to ask the question, who am I lifting my hands to? Am I in sincere worship? Of the one and true God, where God said he's jealous, where he gave us the first commandment that said he's a jealous God and you should worship no other gods. But look in Isaiah. I want to read this to you in Isaiah 14, 12. I want you to read what false worship does. It says, how are you fallen from heaven? And speaking of Lucifer, oh, Lucifer, son of the morning. How are you cut down to the ground? You who weakened, somebody say weakened. Weakened the nations for you have said in your heart. Now watch this. Lucifer never said any words out loud. The Bible says that Lucifer had a heart issue. That's why even in worship, Worship is really a heart issue. It's not about how loud you clap or how, how high you raise your hands. It's not about if you're speaking in tongues or if you're not. It's about is your heart in the right place. I'm going to prove it to you tonight. And so it says, you, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend. There it is. Remember I told you, he took Jesus up. He can take anybody up. He said in his heart, I will ascend into the heaven. 
I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the uh, farthest uh, sides of the north. I will ascend to the heights of the cloud. It says, I will be like the most high. But the Bible says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. What am I saying? I am saying that false worship, insincere worship, fake worship, it will weaken you. It will weaken a church. Insincere worship will actually weaken a nation. That's what it said in the scripture. It said, oh, Lucifer, how you have weakened the whole nation. How could Lucifer weaken a nation and he never said a word? It was because his heart wasn't right. How many times have we come into the house of God and into church with our hearts not right with God and confessing or professing to worship the true God? That's why it's important that when we enter his gates, we come in with thanksgiving. That's why it's important that when we enter his courts, that we come in with praise. Our hearts. False worship, insincere worship, can give you a feeling that you're ascending, that you're rising. It will even give you the feeling that you have access, but in reality, it will expose and magnify your fallen state. I'm going to say that again. Insincere worship will make you feel like you're going higher, but in reality, it's exposing your fallen state. The Bible says in Job chapter 1, when you read Job chapter 1, it says Satan went in with the sons of God. The sons of God in that scripture in Job chapter 1 is actually talking about the angels. The Bible says that the angels went into the throne room of God and began to present themselves before God. And the Bible says that Satan came with them. Think about this. So the angels, all the angels are going into the throne room of God. Satan walks right in there with them. Do you know what that says? That says it doesn't matter how evil you are. It doesn't matter what heinous crime that you've committed. God still gives you an opportunity to present yourself to him and to worship him authentically. Ah, you don't understand. Listen, Satan went with the other angels into the presence. God didn't just kick him out. He asked him, what are you doing? And you know where, where Satan's heart, wa heart was during that time? When he came in, he said, I'm just going to and fro and to see who I can devour. Didn't you just say that? He's going to and fro to see who he can devour. Now look at this. He's going into the worship of God, but his purpose is to see who I can devour. His heart was, wasn't right in the worship of God. Now watch this. It says, this is why God says, before you worship me and bring your gift to me, I want you to make sure that you fix whatever issue you have in your heart. 
He says, I don't want your gifts in worship if you have something against your brother. I don't need your gift if you have something against your sister. So imagine what's happening in churches all over America that are claiming to worship God, but we have aughts against each other, and we're talking down to each other, and we're gossiping about each other. What is God saying? He said, listen, I don't want your sacrifices. I want you to be able to love from your heart and fix your heart before you give me your gift. He still allows us, he still allow us to come and present ourselves, but he's asking for us to have a heart of worship. Are you with me tonight? Watch this. God won't even answer your prayers, men. Listen to me, men. God won't answer your prayers if you haven't fixed your heart. Some of us are wondering. Why are things going on in my life? Why am I sick? Why am I struggling so? What is going on? I'm going to church every Sunday, but it seems like nothing's happening for me. It could possibly be issues in your heart. It could possibly be the bitter root growing up or growing into your heart. Are you with me? So that's the false worship. Now, we actually see this again in Genesis chapter 4 with Cain and Abel. Many of you remember the story. Cain brought an offering of worship. Abel brought an offering of worship. God accepted Abel's offering. God rejected Cain's offering. Look at what it says. In Genesis chapter 4, and I'll read this to you. I'm almost done. Stay with me. It says, and in the process of time, it came to pass... Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Remember I told you, when you get into the presence of God and your heart isn't right, something is going to fall. Satan, when he got into the presence of God, his heart wasn't right, he fell. Cain, when he got into the presence of God to present his offering, his countenance fell. Getting into the presence of God will either weaken you or strengthen you. It will decide it's dependent on your heart. Now watch this. It says, this passage of scripture reveals that there is a worship that God accepts and there is a worship that God rejects. Watch this. Some scholars actually teach that it was because of Abel's, he gave the firstborn, he gave fat, he gave blood. But the truth of the matter is Genesis never says that's the reason why God accepted his offering. But what verse 4 and 4 gives us a little insight. And it says, it says, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect, it Cain, respect Cain and his offering. Watch this. In the scripture, it shows a difference between Abel and his offering and Cain and his offering. I'm going to read that again. It says, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Notice that he separated Abel from his worship. What does that mean? 
that means that God wants to get you before he gets your worship. Y'all got to stay with me, okay? That means that God separated Cain from his offering. You want me to tell you the real reason why he rejected those offerings from Cain? It's because he never had Cain's heart. So it really wasn't about what they brought to him. It never was about, oh, you brought your animals, you brought fruit, you brought vegetables, and you brought the fat. It had nothing to do with what they brought, but it had everything to do with the heart they had when they brought it to him. It's right there in the scriptures. And then look at what he says later in verse 7, Genesis 4 and 7. He tells Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Then he said, if you do not well, sin lies at the door. It was about what they were doing before they brought their worship. It matters what we do before we come here to worship. There's a difference between you and your worship. I want to speak to my brothers and sisters tonight that are part of this family. God wants to get you before he receives your worship. God wants to deliver you before you worship. God wants to save someone tonight before he teaches you how to worship him. Many of us grew up in churches and were erroneously taught that if we just show up to church, give an offering of worship, we are okay with God. So many people in this town and across America show up to church. And they think it's okay to just give their gifts and I came and I checked the box today and I worship God. God is saying, no, I'm looking for people. I'm looking for people that just wants me. I'm looking for someone that's willing to lay down whatever it is that's hindering them to worship me. See, that type of teaching may work for religious people, the religious kings of the world. But I'm here to tell you, God rejects that worship. It may even satisfy Cain's tradition. It may satisfy your tradition just showing up on Sunday and Wednesday. But God will still reject your worship. It may even make you feel good when you come to church and you worship God. But God says in Hebrews 11.4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. What am I saying tonight in redemption to the nation? I am saying in the kingdom of God, 
there is a more excellent way to worship God. God does not just want us to be a church that's raised up in Cleveland that just shows up to church. God is looking for a kingdom people that will come here and worship him in a more excellent way. Is there anybody in here tonight that wants to worship God in a more excellent way? Abel. It said he gave a more excellent sacrifice. Watch this, and I'm done. What does that mean? What does that mean? How, Lord, can we understand your true worship? How, Lord, can we do this the more excellent way? And he shows us in John chapter 4. I don't know what it is about fours tonight. I've been in Matthew 4. I've been in Genesis 4. And now he's showing us in John 4 what the more excellent way looks like. Many of you know this story. I'm not going to read it to you. Many of you know this story of the woman at the well. The Bible talks about this woman. She was sitting there at the well drawing water. She, uh, and Jesus comes up from this long journey, and he comes into Samaria. He goes up to the well, and he asks the woman, could she give him something to drink? The first thing she said was, your people don't deal with my people. So here it is. The first thing she's doing is making it about race. Making everything about race. We live in a time today where everything is being made about race. And here it is. This woman is at the well. She's religious. She's, she worships here and worships there. And so she began to talk about, you don't deal with us because your race is different from mine. And then she began to go on down the line. And Jesus was like, if you knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. And they keep going back and forth. And then the Bible says that Jesus began to tell her about herself. And he began to tell her, well, actually, you know what? You got five husbands, and the one that you with is not yours. And she was like, how do you know all of this? I perceive you to be a prophet. Now, here it is. This woman who was the town prostitute was with all of these different men. Here it is, Jesus trying to get her before he got her worship. Jesus didn't immediately come up and ask, what church do you go to? He didn't come up to her and ask, Are you go am I going to see you Sunday in the tabernacle? But he came up to her and he asked her about her life and he began to expose her. Because listen, whenever you get into the presence of the Lord, it is going to expose your fallen state. Now, you can either be in that state and get upset with Jesus. This woman at the well could have gotten upset. Why are you talking about my business? Who told you my stuff? You've been reading my Facebook. You've been looking at my Twitter. How do you know I've been with five men? And Jesus began to prophesy to her and tell her about herself. And guess what happens after that? Now, mind you, when Jesus got to this spot, he got there with his disciples. So he had 12 men around him when he got to the spot. And he sent the men into the town where they thought, well, Jesus is tired. Jesus is hungry. And they go into the town. They bring Jesus back a happy meal. Now, this woman that had an encounter with Jesus, after he told her about herself, goes into the same city and brings the whole city back to Jesus. Look at that. Twelve disciples who had religiously been with Jesus, 
who knew what Jesus was all about, went into that same city, brings him back a happy meal. This woman who never knew Jesus, who had issues with race, who was a Samaritan who wasn't supposed to be talking to Jews, goes into the same city that 12 disciples came from, brings the whole city back to Jesus. What does that say? That says that when you encounter Jesus with a true heart, not only will he change you, he will empower you and strengthen you to save a whole city. He will save your whole family. If you just encounter him, let him encounter you first, not your tradition. Not your tradition. Not your habits, not your hobby. He wants to encounter you. Now watch this. So we read, after this encounter, in verse 21, this is what Jesus says to her, and I'm done tonight. He says to her, woman, believe me that the hour is coming where you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. He said, but listen to me. This is the encounter that he wants you and I to have. But the hour is coming. And then he says, and now is. He says, now watch this. The hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in what? Now look at this. It says, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him, look at this, in spirit and in truth. What does that mean to us? It means that when we went through COVID, as the, as the global world went through COVID, God was teaching us something. He didn't want our worship to just be connected to a building. When we went through all of that, one of the things I know a lot of families learn to do, we learn how to read the Bible together. We learn how to worship together. To be honest, I actually found this church two years ago because my church refused to open. I found this place because this place refused to close. And so I'm sitting at the Chattanooga campus waiting on my church to open back up, and they never did. And I'm sitting in the sanctuary and looking at people worshiping God, 
not caring about mass, not caring about anything. They're still dancing. They're still slapping high fives. And I said, what is this? And God began to reveal to me, this is true worship. See, you can worship me in spirit and in truth. And so I began to have an encounter there, and God revealed to me that this is my home. This is where I'm supposed to be. I had to leave a church that I had been at my whole life. I grew up in the church. I grew up there. It was my tradition to just show up to church. My tradition to just come and worship. But when I came to Redemption to the Nations, I saw a different element of worship. I saw people gathering around the fire. I saw people getting around the fire and the fire catching hold of people. I've never seen that before. And I saw people getting delivered. I saw people getting set free. I saw true worship changing a whole city. And that is the reason why, even through COVID, even through everything that we've been through, we're expanding while other churches are closing. It is because there is a spirit of true worship. Oh, I'm done. I'm done tonight. You are not here by happenstance. You are here because God is requiring in this new season a more excellent way. What does that mean? It doesn't matter what version of you that you bring to the presence of God. When you come to him, no matter how heinous of a crime that you've committed, God will create a space for you to make it right. This is why every church has an altar. Every church has an altar. What is the altar? It is a space for us to lay down our flesh and for our flesh to burn away at the altar. Every tabernacle, before you entered in, you had to make a sacrifice. What does God require of us to have true, sincere worship? It requires a sacrifice. It requires us to come to the altar and let flesh burn away. Every Sunday, more flesh should burn away. Every Wednesday night, more flesh should burn away. To the point to where as we walk away from this fire at the altar, and when we walk away from this altar, we're being changed into the image of Christ. That is the more excellent way that God is calling this church to a higher place of worship. Not to get high for our own glory. Not to get high to desire the stage or desire to just sing or play. Not to, to ascend to a place for selfish ambition. But God wants the fire that's on this pulpit to catch fire in the pews in this place. God wants a more excellent way. 
yeah, I know you feel like you've been doing enough. Yeah, I come every Sunday. I give my gifts. I give an offering. I'm here on Wednesday night. Look, I'm sacrificing tonight. But God is saying there's more. There's a more excellent way. You want to see Cleveland turned upside down? Start worshiping in the more excellent way. You want to see our nation turn back to God? Start, start worshiping in a more excellent way. If Satan understands that he can get into the presence of God and ask for something, we as believers got to know that when we come into the presence of God, not only that we can ask him something, but the Bible says that we can come before the throne of grace boldly and ask our Father for grace. The Bible says that the Father seeks after true Worshippers. Do you know that's the only time where it says the Father seeks after something? He didn't say he seeks after true worship. He says he's seeking after the true worshipers. Your worship may be hindered by an addiction. Your worship can be hindered by pride. Your worship can be hindered by unforgiveness. Your worship can be hindered by bitterness. Your worship can be hindered by busyness. Your worship can lead you to forget about God. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God. And he's saying tonight, as we stand together, there is flesh in here tonight that needs to be burned off. Crystal spoke early about a heaviness that some of you may have been experiencing. God is saying tonight, I'm calling you to my altar for a more excellent way. God is saying tonight, if there are people in this room that know that you can give God more of yourself, I want you to come to this altar. I want you to meet me at this altar. If God is calling for a more excellent way, this is your altar. This is your place of sacrifice. God is seeking after the true worshipers that will worship him in a more excellent way. If I'm talking to you tonight, don't you miss your moment.
Don't you miss your moment. Get to this altar around the fire of God. Oh, it may be somebody's last time on this side tonight. And you are coming to lay your flesh at his altar. Oh, there's someone suffering from bitterness from a, a family member. Oh, there are people in here tonight that's suffering from addictions that you've asked God to remove. He says, bring your flesh to me. Bring your flesh to me. Bring your flesh to me. Bring your flesh to me, says the Spirit of God. Bring it to me. There is a more excellent way. someone in here that's dealing with unforgiveness you said I'll never forgive them for what they did to me God says I need your flesh tonight I'm calling for your flesh tonight because I have a special fire for you at the altar oh this fire can burn our flesh <laughs> Oh Lord, forgive us. Oh Lord, forgive us. Oh Lord, forgive us. Oh Lord, forgive us. Oh, we want more of you. We want more of you. We need you, oh Lord. Our nation needs you, oh Lord. Oh, we need your strength, oh God. Oh, Holy Spirit, comfort us right now. Oh, burn the things away that are not like you. Oh, burn the things away that are not like you. I want to look more like Jesus. I want to look more like Jesus.